0: At this time, I'm going to ask my beautiful wife to come. She's going to be bringing the word. She's got her large Coke with her. We're excited about that. It's like, do you mind if I bring this up here? I said, no, baby, do, do whatever you need. Get that anointing flowing. What am I You do need a microphone, Leah. Let's pray for Leah, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity for my beautiful wife, this woman of God to minister your word especially to our moms this morning, Father, these ones who you gave us to be our mothers. God, we celebrate them today. We celebrate your word. And, Lord, we're looking forward to hearing what you speak through this vessel, this woman of God. So anoint her, help her today, and help her flow in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good
1: morning, CCC. CCC. Well, first of all, I really did not agree to preach. I agreed to tag team preach. I was supposed to talk a little bit, and then he was supposed to talk. And somehow between Friday and Saturday, that changed into, oh, Leah's preaching Sunday. So I'm not sure. He may. I told him he needs to be ready to close at the end and make up for any mistakes that I make. So, But I'm excited to be here. I want to wish all the mothers happy Mother's Day. Um, I am very appreciative of my own mother. I wish she was here. She's in Baton Rouge or Walker, Louisiana. I wish she was here with us today, but she couldn't make it today, but I am very appreciative of my mom, and you know what? I'm very appreciative of all the moms out here because I know, and I'm going to be very sensitive about it today, I've got a word that is for everybody, not just for mothers because I know that sometimes on Mother's Day, it cannot be maybe a happy day for some people. Your arms feel really empty on Mother's Day for several reasons. Maybe you lost your own mother, maybe your mom lives hundreds of miles away like mine, or maybe your kid's. Won't even, you won't even hear from them today. Maybe your kids are not where you thought they would be. There are all different reasons why some of you feel empty this morning. But I have a word for all of us. And it's a word that I feel like God gave me for the whole church. But I just want to say that moms are special. And all of us, even if you're not a mom, you don't have biological children, you're a mom. Because all of us need that woman in our life that speaks to us. And when I started thinking about it this weekend, there have been different times in my life. Of course, my mom is I'm very, very, very close. If you've been here any time over the last six years, you know I'm very close to my mom. Um, but there are also other women that speak into our lives. And that's why I want to encourage you. If you don't have biological children yet, if you're young, you're not married yet, you can still be a mom. These kids need moms. These kids in our church need people to look look up to. In fact, I want to say this real quick. I was really nervous this morning. So one of my many duties here at the church is I'm over the kids department. So upstairs, I took the kids upstairs to practice. They're going to do a little surprise for their moms this morning. So I told them, I said, guys, I'm really nervous. I'm going to preach. So they're like, oh, where's Pastor Jason? I'm like, he's here. But it's Mother's Day, so I'm going to preach today. So we all joined hands and we pray. So they knew I was nervous. So when I came out here a while ago I picked up my notes and I was real nervous and I looked over and Sadie Maiman was standing there and she looked over at me with a big smile on her face and said you're going to do great. <laughs> so our kids need mothers too and they speak to us and that spoke to my heart this morning. That touched my heart Sadie and made me feel peaceful this morning but I want to say that in our lives there's always people in different stages in our lives and I thought back to different stages in my life. I have my mom and I'm going to talk about my family a lot because I love my family they're my people and I'm proud out of them and I love them. I have my mom, but I was also blessed with two older sisters that were a lot older than me. They would, I hope they're not watching this video. They're not old, but they're a lot older than me. One of them passed away when Holland was two, she would be 70, I think, 73, and then I have a sister around 62. They are like other mothers to me. So not only was I blessed with my mom, my parents were a lot older when we were born. My dad was 48 when we were born. So we were like grandchildren for them. So I had my mom, but I had two sisters who greatly, greatly poured in my life also. So I'm very blessed with like three moms. Then I started thinking about all the church ladies in my life. All the church ladies at Revival Temple that poured into my life, my mom had twins. she was the pastor 's wife. she had four other kids. she was very busy. so there were so many ladies in Revival Temple that stepped up and would hold one would hold me, one would hold my twin sister. so they were mothers in my life. Then, when I got older and began to work, I worked for an orthopedic surgeon for ten years. I was one of his office nurses. There was a nurse there that was quite a bit older than me. She became like another mother to me. She was my work mom. Her name was Donna Brown. Then I became a missionary in Mexico City and I I had two moms there. I have a Mexican mom, Rosie. Hopefully one day soon you're going to meet her. She took very good care of me for many years before I married Jason. Suck me. She had to dig me out of a shower. I was so sick, put me in her car, take me to the hospital. I didn't have anybody there with me. She took care of me so many times. I know Isaac and Shai have met Mama Rosie. She, Rosie and Connie were my mamas. And then when I moved here, God knew that I needed moms here. Many of you have been a mom to me, a friend to me. I have many friends sitting out there. One of them brought me a Coke this morning because they know I need my Coke in the mornings. I have many friends sitting out there and there are moms and many. Of you have been a mother to me. There are three that have really, really helped me out, and that's Miss Gilda, Miss Lorena. Where's Miss Lorena? My kids call her Mimi. And Miss Joan. They have been like moms to me. And I appreciate all of you have, but so I appreciate those that have reached out. So all of you, I need it, I just want to encourage you, all of you can be a mother. If you're have great grandchildren and nobody lives here and you feel like you don't have anybody to pour into, you have somebody to pour into. So I want this morning I just want to talk about first of all, I have two kids. Most of you know that. Hudson, who is 17. Holland, who is 15. I'm very proud of both of my kids. I'm very proud to be a mother. But I know that motherhood sometimes is not always easy, as we all the mothers say. Amen. amen. It's not always easy. But I have a word this morning that's going to speak to everybody. No matter what, where you're at on the spectrum in life, it's going to speak to you. Because today is meant to encourage you. I want us to point us to all to one fundamental source, and that is hope. If we don't have hope, we don't have anything as mamas. If we don't have hope, we don't have anything. We have to offer something to our children. And Holland is actually instrumental. She doesn't know this, but Wednesday night Holland and I went to dinner and I had been telling Jason, no, 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 I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to preach. He was begging me and I was telling all the things he had to buy for me. If I preach today, one of them being these beautiful bracelets, they brought me this morning and they had them ready for me this morning. But um, Holland and I went to dinner Wednesday night, and at, for 15 years old, Holland is very wise in the Word. Very proud of her. She reads the Bible. She listens to podcasts. She really loves Jesus. And sometimes we listen to her. She knows. She knows what she's talking about. We have great biblical discussions with her. But I was sitting at a restaurant with her, and we were just talking about things going on in the world and things that. She's a freshman at Lakanto High School, and Hudson is a junior. We're talking about the school and things, and she looked at me and said one thing. She said, "Mom, those kids don't have hope." I know what's wrong with them. They're depressed. They're anxious. There's so much anxiety. It's because they don't have hope. So that's when I began to think about the word hope. And you know, once you start thinking about it, it just appears everywhere. Then it seemed like every song I listened to had the word hope in it. Even signs for your house have the word hope in it. Everything. So I knew God was speaking to me to preach on the words um, hope. Mothers today really, really need hope, guys. It's a hard world. They're raising our kids in. We have the internet and all of those different things are speaking into our lives. We need hope and our kids need hope. I'm going to tell you a little story about when Hudson was born. Hudson was our first child. We were 32 when Hudson was born. We've been all over the world, done all kinds of stuff, but we were not prepared for parenthood. <laughs> we were not prepared, especially for Hudson. Hudson. So Hudson was born five weeks early. He was seven pounds, 19 inches long. He was big for seven, for five weeks early. He would have been no telling how big, but he's a big boy. So he was born early. He ended up being in the ICU for a couple of days, had to be on a breathing machine and all that kind of stuff. He was fine. When he finally came home, I'll never forget the first night we had him at home. My parent, my mom was there. We had a lot of family in and out. My sisters were cooking for us. Everybody was excited because Leah finally had a baby. So everybody was there to help us. But I'll never forget the night when they first started to leave. It was time for everybody to go home. And here we were with this baby that cried literally all the time. Hudson's not here today. He may get mad, but he literally cried from the day he was born till he was about 12. But anyway, he cried all the time. So here we are with him. And I remember looking at my mom when she started to leave and she was going to leave. She just lived right down the street, but she was tired. She'd been at the hospital with me, staying with me at the hospital and everything. So she needed to go home. When she started to leave, she bent down to tell me bye. And I'm like. What do we do now? I looked at her with this look in my face, and I mean, I was half joking, but I was half being real. What do we do now? I looked at Jason. Well, he's like, I don't know. I mean, he didn't know either. We had no clue what we were doing. But you know, I've seen that look in a lot of mothers' faces over the last several years as I've grown sorry, grown up here, and I've started to know, you know, the things that mothers go through. I've seen that look. What do we do now? I've seen that look in older mothers, younger mothers. I've seen that look in men that look in teenagers. What are we going to do now? I've caught that reflection in my own eyes a lot the last few years, especially the last probably three years and raising teenagers. I've looked in the mirror myself a few times and said, what am I going to do? What do you, what are we going to do? Where are you, Jesus? What are we going to do now? So I don't have any magical formulas for parenting, but I am confident in one thing. I'm confident in the hope in God, his character and his promises are what we need to stay on a great track. I am not mother of the year. I had a terrible mother week this week. I'm going to tell myself real quick. Hudson had a football game. We're very excited. Hudson started playing football again. We're very excited about it. We're all into it. Went to the spring game Friday night. It was hot, very hot, like 92 degrees. It was 4.30 in the afternoon. He played a washing play. He did great. Recovered a fumble, all this stuff. But he was getting toward the end. I'm tired. I was ready to go. So Jason encouraged me. You can go. I had some stuff I needed to do in Brooksville. You can go. He's probably not going to play the rest of the time. So I left. He played the rest of the time. And not only did he play, they called all the mothers out on the football field. And they had flowers and handwritten notes for every mother. So Hudson... Who has the most loving mother in Citrus County probably, who stood out there with along with three other boys that didn't have a mother here. So I'm not mother of the year. And then this morning my kids had to dry off with beach towels because we have no clean towels in our house this morning. So I'm definitely not mother of the year. So I don't have a formula. But I believe that God looks at all of us and says, You are not alone because hope is here. We all have hope no matter where we are. You can turn to Romans fifteen, thirteen. I'm gonna reference a lot of scripture today but this is the only one I want you to turn to because this is one of the main ones. The rest I'm just going to read to you, but give you a minute to turn there. Romans 15, 13. And if I start talking too fast, somebody flag me down. And I am watching the time, although I have 38 pages of notes. But I'm not going to do that. Holland begged me. She made us special reservations at 115, way into Tampa. So I have to be done in time for that. So if you're there, we're going to read Romans fifteen thirteen. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I love that scripture. We're going to talk about it a lot today because not only are we to have hope for no matter where we are in life. And I know looking out of here, a lot of you are in tough times. A lot of you have been through tough times. We've been through them with you, deaths of loved ones, all that kind of stuff. I've been through tough times the last few years, but we have that hope. And it also says that we may overflow with the hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about overflowing with hope today. And then as you don't have to turn there, but in Zechariah 9, 12, it says, return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now, I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. And that scripture makes me say hallelujah on the inside, because you know what that means? And I'm going to get into it later. That means whatever you're going through, whatever you're having to lean on hope for, God's fixing to restore it to you Overabundantly. He's not going to just give it back to your living. He's going to restore it to you overabundantly. Moms, and I'm getting way off track. But moms, those of you who are late at night and cry, not knowing where your kids are. We've been there. Not knowing what your kids are doing. Wishing they would have done this. Wishing they would have done that. Not knowing where your husband is. All those things that we go through, those tears that you have cried, will be restored to you in abundance. It will be restored to you in overflow. And I'm getting off track. I said I wasn't going to do this. But even as a young girl growing up, I was 30 before I met, or 26 before I met Jason. I met many years single. I was like always the bridesmaid, never the bride. I was in 14 weddings made of honor in four, never married myself. <laughs> Everybody at church, it was a joke at our church, but my mom laid in bed with me many times when they cry and I just don't understand why I can't get married. I don't understand why God's calling me to the mission field by myself. Why am I flying over there by myself crying and stuff? And my mom used to tell me then God will restore to you in overabundance. So I just want to encourage you the tears that have fallen the last few weeks, months, years, God will restore to them. You in abundance. They will restore to you twice as much, it says. We all need our hope restore because this world is a hope sucker. How many of you agree with that? It shouts to us through the news, through comparisons, through statistics, through Facebook, through Pinterest, and through TikTok now. How many of you know about TikTok? It's where all the kids learn everything now. And we all learn everything from TikTok. But it shouts to us. It takes away our hope because it shouts to us that we're not good enough. We're not that perfect mama. My kids had to dry off with beach towels today because I'm not that perfect mother. Just lucky they didn't have to wear swimsuits. But we didn't have to try out beach towels. And I'm going to dry my clothes. I mean, wash clothes all the day today, but Pinterest and TikTok and all that kind of stuff holds us in to where it feels like we are not what we need for our children. We are not what we need for our husband. We are not what we need for our families. They, it wants to hold the world wants to hold that over us, but you are enough. God says we are enough. You don't have the the world says you don't have what it takes to raise kids in this new, new millennium, but that's a lie guys. We do. We have what it takes. We have the word of God, no matter what happens in the world, everything's changing all the time. If you think back to just before, um, COVID, how things have changed since then, God has not changed. And I tell my kids over and over and over again, God has not changed no matter what the world is doing. No matter what everybody's doing, we got to be in the world, but not out of this world. I don't want you to live under a rock. I want you to understand what it is to live in the world, but I want you to know your source. And your source is Jesus Christ. He is the rock that you stand on. When those kids look at you crying with tears in their eyes, they don't know what to do. You have one thing to give them. And that's the source. Their source is Jesus Christ. And so as mothers, as as adopted mothers, as husbands, everything in this room, our main goal is to teach people that they have a source. And that's Jesus Christ. In Psalms 39, 7, it says, but now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Hope is in Indispensable, life-sustaining, necessary constant. How many of you need some constants in your life? This world's changing constantly, so we need something that's constant in our life. When I think back over my life, of course, my mom is always the constant in my life. And I hope that I'm that for my children. I hope that you are that for your children, your grandchildren, your adopted children, whatever. But my mom has always been there for me. She remains constant. I don't care. When I was traveling, I, I was in China for a few months teaching English as a second language. I would call my mom at three o'clock in the morning, American time, because I need to tell her what happened that day. He how many of you want to tell your mom what happened that day? I call my mom every day tell her what happened that day. I wanted to call her. So I didn't care that it was three o'clock in the morning. And you know what? She didn't care because she was a constant in my life. She was there to answer that phone when we were running an orphanage for a while with 32 children in Ecuador and we didn't have any children and we didn't know what we were doing. We got there. I had to be the cook. I didn't know. And if you've ever been, if you've been in this church very long, you know, I do not cook. I cook if I have to cook. I don't even know when the last time I cooked, I didn't cook this week. I know, but I had to cook for 32 kids. Guess who I called my mom. Mom, you got to help me. I don't know what to do. We gave the kids popcorn and chocolate milk for supper last night, and we really did. We built up movie night, and we told them, guess what? We're going to have movie night. We're going to have popcorn. We're going to have hot chocolate. And the kids were so excited, they didn't even realize we didn't have dinner. So we fed them popcorn. So I called my mom. I said, Mom, you've got you to tell me. I don't even know how to boil the stuff here. It's a high altitude. I don't even know what to do. I don't know what to do. The eggs still had feathers on them. I mean, I just didn't know what to do with everything. So I called my mom because she was that constant in my life. I called her when Hudson would cry all night long. You know what she did one night? I'll never forget the night we were sitting in the front room of our little house on Hidden Ridge. And I called my mom like, Mom, I don't know what to do. He's crying. He won't quit. She showed up at our back door. And by then she was probably, I don't know, 75 or so. She showed up at our back door in the middle of the night with her robe and pajamas on. She took the baby. She started working with him and told us to go to sleep. She took care of him the rest of the night. She is my constant. She prays for me every day. She prays for my kids. I call her. She takes their picture, literally takes her picture, hugs it to her chest and walks around her house for hours, praying for my kids. They better know that she's a constant in their life too, because I will call her and say, you got to pray for Holland this week. You got to pray for us. And she will lay on her prayer palette. She has her name, ask Holland written all over her house with scriptures. And she goes and she reads those scriptures. That's the kind of mama we need to be. Even if we don't have our own children, you can be it for somebody else. You can be it for your neighbor we were we were parents to neighbors that were our age in Louisiana. They would come to our door. They didn't even go to church. They would come to our door crying. Their marriage is splitting up. They don't know what to do. We'd bring them in. We'd talk to them. We didn't even know ourselves what to do. We just got married. But we had Jesus. And we knew he was our source and we knew he was our hope. So you can be that constant for somebody. The biblical definition of hope is unshakable confidence in God, a confident expectation. This world needs a confident expectation. We need confident expectation for everything that life's going to bring to us. A tradition that we used to have years ago, and I didn't even I didn't realize it, but Holland didn't even know what it was. I guess I failed my children in that. But I have older siblings, so I knew what a hope chest was. How many of you, anybody here have a, used to have a hope chest? This is a hope chest. What a hope chest was, for those that you don't know, was something that a young girl got at a young age. And all through her life, she would fill it up with things she might need for her adult life. China, quilts, baby things, in anticipation, expectation of her life. I have two older sisters, like I said. They had them. I can still remember their, their hope chest sitting at the end of their bed. So I decided I was going to start one when I was younger. I began to fill it. I was telling Holly yesterday, I think I was about 15, when I said I was going to start a hope chest. I began to fill it with things for my house. I loved to find bargains and stuff, so I'd find something on sale. I'd buy all my bathroom stuff and put it in there. But I didn't know it was going to be till I was 30, till I got married. So by the time I got married, everything in that hope chest was so out of date and so old, I had to throw it away. So it didn't do me any good. But a hope chest is a, is a thing that I think there is a parallel here. We all have a hope chest. It's our heart and our mind. So everybody in this room, young, old, married, single, man or woman, it doesn't matter. We have a hope chest. And it's important what we fill our hope chest with. We can't just fill it with anything because we need that hope chest filled with things that are going to help us. It's going to give us confident expectation of our life and the hope that's in our life. We all have a responsibility to fill it with truths about God that we will need an anticipation for life because at some point life will come after you. Young people that are in here, you might not feel it now, but at some point life will come at you. It might be when you're young. It might be when you're old. It came at me different times when my dad, when I was 26 year old, my dad died. Suddenly life hit me hard. I needed hope in my hope chest and thank God I raised I was raised with a hope chest because we need that confident expectation we'll need it next year next week 10 years from now you will never run out of your need for hope we need it every single day hope is always the answer to the question that we always ask wait what do we do now on that day when they left me there? What do we now when you get a phone call in the middle of the afternoon and you're seven? Well, I don't think he was 16 then, and your 16 year old just rolled his truck and he's still hanging upside down in the seat belt and he's screaming in the phone. Uh, guess what you need? Hope. 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 You need to give him hope. You've got to have it in there. You've got to have the scriptures hidden in your heart. I've got to be able to turn around to my kids when they're upset and say, You can do all things through Christ who strengthens And You have got to be able to give those scriptures to them. So my chest has to be filled with God's promises. When your best friend calls you all the way from Louisiana and her, her marriage is falling apart and she's devastated beyond words, you have to have something in your hope chest to offer her. You have to be prepared to offer her something that was going to get her through that situation. How many of you remember the show Tidying Up? Anybody see that show on Netflix? had a little lady that would come in and help you uh like to clean up your house declutter your house she had this little saying she would pick an item and she would look at it and say does it spark anybody know joy. joy well the question i'm going to tell you that we need to ask when we're decluttering our own heart and our mind because sometimes we have to declutter our heart and mind too i have to on a daily basis if you work out in the world and you're with worldly people all the time and, and you know we we live in this world we have to live in this world we're part of this world we do we are we are around things that that you know declutter our mind and heart. There are many times I have to lay in bed at night or sit on my back porch and declutter my mind and heart. So the question that we need to ask is not, does it spark joy, but does it spark hope? The true old hope chest were lined with cedar and that cedar would keep like bugs and mice away. But you know what? It smelled like your grandma's house. Does anybody remember that smell? I can still remember. My sister's bringing stuff, and even my mom still had her hope chest, bringing stuff out of that hope chest. And we would pick it up like she brought out the dress that me and my sister were dedicated in not long ago out of a hope chest. This is the dress that Holland was dedicated in. And this is the outfit that Hudson was dedicated in. I know, it looks like a girl, but that's how we dress them in Louisiana. (laughs) (laughs) But you pull that out of the cedar chest a lot of times it would smell like that cedar smell like your grandma's house so i started thinking about that and i started thinking you know we're all going to carry an aroma somewhere in that cedar chest of our heart it's going to carry some kind of aroma and i don't want to go around carrying an aroma that's going to stink of fear discouragement and despair. I don't want to be carrying the aroma of complaining all the time. One of the Eeyores walking around complaining all the time. I want to carry an aroma of the love of Jesus. I don't want to walk in work and I work about three days a week at Lacanto Middle. I don't want to walk in there and people be like, I didn't even know she went to church. I want them. I don't tell them. I don't stand up and preach at school. I really don't even talk about the church that much unless somebody talks to me. But I want them just to know, I don't know where she goes to church, but she loves Jesus. That's what I want them to know. I want them to smell that aroma of Jesus when I walk in the room. I want friends that can call me and say, I need you. And I really will pray for you. I want, And I need friends in life, in life that will do that for me. That we will pray for them. I want that aroma. So when you think about a hope chest, you think about that cedar smell. Think about your heart. You want it, that aroma to be heart. We must align our hearts with the truth of God. Our cedar is the promises and words of God. Both of my sisters, like I said, both spoke into my life. They both were such strong encouragers. My sister Gail was a very positive person, she was always smiling. Always happy. My sister Melissa is very much an encourager. Any time I had something going on in my life, I lost a baby right before we came here. It was a traumatic thing. She sent me flowers to school. Nobody hardly knew about it, but she sent me flowers. You're gonna have a great day today. She's an encourager. They both stood with me. They both encouraged. They have that aroma of positivity coming out of them. They've been both been through a lot. Both of them have been through a lot. They both were pastors' wives major things happen in their churches, things that would knock a lot of us off of our feet. I won't go into all of it. things that knock me off my feet for them, but you know what? They remain steady with confident expectation of the hope of Jesus. And that's how I want to be. Psalms 42 five says, why am I are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. Fear and discouragement will cause us to be restless and disturbed. They will encourage despair, but hope is an unshakable confidence in God. Skip on here. Um, Confident expectation is knowing that God's going to be there no matter what. And like I said, I traveled a lot before I married Jason, then we did it together. But when I was younger, when I was 26, I went to Mexico City to work in the garbage dumps in Mexico City. And if you've never been there before, I'll quickly tell. I could talk for hours, so I'm not going to get on that. Jason knows I'll talk forever about that. It was a big part of my life. I love, love, love the Mexico City garbage dumps. I love, love, love the kids there. I know them all. I know their extended family. I've been with them. I've held their hand through all kinds of stuff. But I'll never forget one day. I was kind of down a little bit. Fourth of July. Everybody's at home grilling, barbecuing. I'm in the garbage dump working. I think Jason was on a boat with his family. <laughs> they had a, a house boat that week in Ohio because we weren't married yet. And I was in the garbage dump holding kids' hands, pulling maggots out of their ears. So I was a little bit bitter. But when we pulled up to the garbage dump that day, I'll never forget one of the little girls that I love so much. I don't know, she's maybe four or five years old, but I saw her every day, every day, every day. I had not been there for like a week or two. I think I'd been sick or something. She was standing there. When, when, when the bus pulled in, I was always the first one off the bus so that the people would get used to the Americans that were coming in. When I stepped off the bus, she ran up to me in Spanish and said, I knew you were coming. I knew you would be here. Do you know that that's how God feels about us? Or that's how we should feel about God, and that's how God feels about us? We, he has that, we need that confident expectation. God, I knew you were going to show up. When you're in the room with somebody passing away or You're losing something in your family or your family's splitting up or whatever is going on. We should have that expectation that I knew God was going to be here. I knew he was going to show up. That little girl never forget her face. Dirty, dirty hair everywhere. I knew you would show up. Her big white teeth smiling. She had that confident expectation that we were going to show up. Psalms 147.11 says, The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. We need to fill our hope chest with the promises of God. Hope and the promises of God are linked together all through the scripture. In fact... Max Licato described the promises of God as the stitching in the spine of the Bible that holds together its contents. That really stuck with me. I meant to bring the Bible up here with me. I I really didn't put the Bible in this. It's in my notes. I just didn't want to carry it. I got all nervous. But the Bible, that binding part, that's the promises of God that hold together its contents. There are 7,487 different promises of God noted in the scripture. Even Mary, the mother of Jesus heard the angel she she heard from the angel the promise of God no word from God will ever fail she believed that promise and she put it in her heart which is her hope chest but don't you know she had to lean on that several times when you think of all that Mary through her son died on the cross I mean that was her son I can't even put myself in those shoes she had to hold on to that promise of God so even Mary had to hold on to it no word from God will ever fail and now I'm not going to go over we're not going to learn. I'm not going to, oh, and it says in Hebrews 6 in the message Bible, it tells us to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let it go. We must always filter our circumstances through the promises of God. Now I'm not going to try to go over 7,000 something promises with you because we do have lunch today and I know all the restaurants are crowded. So we're going to go, but there are four different promises that we're going to go over today that I feel like we all need to have in our hope chest. Again, this is for everybody, not just mamas. This is for everybody. Um, we can't just afford to, we can't just believe in God. We must believe God. We must believe his promises. The first promise that I want to put in our hope chest this morning is the promise of God's love and faithfulness. How many of you know God is faithful? We have to believe that. We not just have to read it. We have to believe God is faithful and God is full of love for us. Psalms 91, 1 through 2 says, It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. That is a perfect example how we practically use God's promises that we have hidden in our heart. In the morning, we thank him for his Love. In the evening, we thank him for his faithfulness for that day every day. That is how we we proclaim it. there is authority in God's promises. How many of you know, in his love and faithfulness, they always win over our circumstances. When you're playing a card game, you know, sometimes you get that card that trumps all the other cards. Call it the trump card. It trumps everything else. That is God's love and faithfulness. It trumps anything else that you're going through. When you're going through something, that question comes up, what do we do now? You authoritatively throw down the trump card. When you're playing a game, you throw that card down because you know you won the game. That's what you do when you don't know what else to do. A few months ago, again. I was mother of the year. A few months ago, Holland was really sick. And I didn't really realize how sick she was. I was busy working. Her daddy was in charge. He was supposed to be taking care of her. He... he you know, in his way, he opened her door every now and then and said, are you okay? But he didn't really make sure she ate or was drinking or anything. And so I was just trying busy, trying to work every day and trying to get some stuff done. I had a, um, something planned here. We were going to Mount Door. The ladies were going to Mount Door. I felt like I couldn't miss that. Holland woke up still sick that morning. Long story short, I went. I went for the day. I came back. When I walked in the room, I knew something was wrong. Something was wrong. She tried to stand up. Her whole face turned blue. Like blue like she didn't have any life left in her. Like it scared me. Like the blue of Miss Deanne's dress. It scared me. I started calling Jason. Like He's like, throw her in the car. Get her to the hospital. She was passing out on the driveway. I was trying to catch her. She was blue. Her lips were purple. It was the scariest thing I've ever been through. She got in the car with me and that, we did not have Jason to rely on because we rely on him a lot to pray us through. We didn't have anybody to rely on, but she said to me, put on the song, Mom, I Speak Jesus. We put it on and we threw down the trump card because we knew we had the authority in the name of Jesus. We had his faithfulness and his love and we began to author, take authority over the spirit that was in her. And Mamas, if you had not faced it yet, you will face it. You have to learn how to take authority over the spirit of whatever's coming against your kids, whatever is coming against your marriage, whatever is coming against your job, whatever is coming against your personal life, if you're sick or anything, you've got to throw down with authority, the trump card that you have in your hope chest. And that is God's love and his faithfulness. Cause he is there. We began to sing in that car. We began to take authority. I began to speak in tongues. She was like, she'd never been before. We knew God had her. We got to the hospital. We got the right doctor. They took her right in. They said, this baby needs fluids right now. They called an ambulance to come get her, take her to Shands, all this stuff. She's fine. But because we threw down that card in the car, I don't know what would happened if we wouldn't have threw down that card. But I had to have it in my hope chest. If I don't have it in my hope chest, I don't have time to call my pastor. I didn't have time to call my mama to pray. I didn't even call my mom. And I called my mom for everything. I didn't have time. It was too much life or death. And there are sometimes when you have a life or death right there. In front of you, you have to do something about it. If you take the time to try to rely on the pastor or the pastor's wife or whatever, we'll pray you through whatever. But you got to be able to do it for yourself. You got to have that that promise in your heart that God is full of love and God is faithful. The second thing that I want us to put in our uh, hope chest today is God is frugal. Don't know if you've ever heard it like that before. God is frugal, which means He wastes nothing. God wastes nothing. He is the original recycler. My mom and my sister taught me years ago. I'm going to talk about them a lot, I know. But my mom and my sisters taught me years ago to be frugal. My dad was a pastor. Their husbands were pastors. We had to be frugal. So we began to garage sale. (laughs) We garage sailed every Saturday morning. We left our house at 6 o'clock. Went to Baton Rouge, all around LSU where all the rich people live. And we garage sailed. We learned all the Baton Rouge. about before we had the internet. We had a big old map of Baton Rouge. We had laid it out we had highlighted our way. You know what? That taught me to be frugal. That taught me to dress my kids, take care of my kids through frugalness. I mean, I still love, I'm a little bougie too, but I love to be frugal. God is frugal. He wastes nothing. You can have hope that God will recycle your circumstances. He will turn your bad into good. That's what I mean by God is frugal. He doesn't just let you go through the bad for no reason. There's a reason. And that might not be he didn't design for it to happen. Everything is not of God. Sometimes it's just life. But he's not going to let it go to waste. He's going to turn it for good. When you don't feel like anything's going good good, to come out of it, it's going to come out of it. I also have a twin sister. Her name is Lori. We look alike, walk alike, talk alike. If she walked in here, you would think it was me. My kids get us mixed up. Our husbands get us mixed up. We look that much alike. Our teeth are exactly alike. We have the same cavities. I mean, I don't think you would get more out of serious. If I had a cavity when I was little, the dentist would go straight into her room and she would have the same cavity. It's amazing. We had the same. Then they did impressions for our braces. The lab threw them away four times because the lab kept saying, oh, this is the same child. And they would throw it away. Our dentist had to call and chew them out. We had to go four times and do that horrible impression because the dentist thought it was the same person. Anyway, I mean, to get off on that, but we are totally opposite. Our personalities are totally opposite. We just look alike. But my twin sister suffered for many, many years. She got married. At, well, she was almost 19 when she got married, but she was still 18 she was almost 19 years old when she got married. I didn't get married till I was 30, so our lives were a lot different. But she suffered for many, many years with infertility. Terrible. I mean, she wanted a baby so bad. At years and years. We walked her through that for years and years. And one day, our pastor, being the wise man of God that he is, he called her one day. He said, You know what? Our whole church prayed for her all the time to have a baby. She just wanted a baby. Our pastor called her and told her, He said, If you're believing God for a baby, you need to go out and buy it an outfit. Buy an outfit that you're going to dedicate it in and buy a crib for it. I know that sounds, you know, kind of, I mean, I'd be nervous as a pastor doing that. But God told him to tell her that. And you know what? She did it. And she held on to that. She went and got that outfit. She got a boy and a girl outfit. She got a crib. She held on to that. But still after that for many months and many years, she had lots of disappointment. But guess what? She kept firm. Then I got married at 30. And I became pregnant with Hudson before she even had a baby. It was the hardest day of my life to have to tell her that I was pregnant. Ask Jason, I almost didn't even want to have a baby because of that. But you know what? She stood firm. And I can say that my sister never wavered and in- Faith that God was going to give her a baby. She never wavered in it. She knew. And Hudson was maybe six months old, and she found out she was going to have a baby. She had a baby boy. His name is Max. She named him after my dad. He is precious. He's 16 years old now. Our kids are 15, 16, 17, which really worked out perfect because if she would have had babies in the beginning, our kids would be in two different worlds. We're in the same world now because we, all, we both have teenagers. They're literally 15, 16, 17, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade. But he is a precious, precious boy. He loves Jesus with all of his heart. His- his name is Mac. I mean, the last time we were home, he touched my heart so much. I love him so much; it makes me cry. I love him just as much as she does because I worked for him too. When I mean, we we pray for that baby, I love him and he loves me. I'm his favorite aunt. He wept when we moved, but anyway, uh, she. He's like the star pitcher. He's a, a sophomore, but he's a star pitcher for the baseball team there in Walker. He is. Phenomenal baseball player, but he knows because he knows his testimony. He knows how his parents got him. He knows he's born with great purpose and he loves Jesus with all his heart. In fact, we call him baby Jesus because he's so spoiled. She makes me look bad. She's so spoiled and so loved, but. God turned her bad into good. All those years of her wanting a baby, you just don't know how many people have been touched by her story. So many women. She's prayed for women to have babies. She stood with women to have babies. Her doctors were touched. We're still so good, such good friends with her gynecologist because they were all touched through her story. God turned those many nights of her crying. She even came in the delivery room with me when I had Hudson, and she was weeping because she knew that should be her on the table. But she Knew that I was important for her to be with me and she knew God was going to be faithful to her. She stood firm and she knew God would recycle her bad times into good times. So when you're having a bad time, I'm sorry, I'm crying. But when you have a bad time and you're going through something, remember God is frugal. He will recycle the tears that you cry. He will recycle the years that you wail before God and ask for him to come through for your children. He will recycle it and he will give you Twice. He will give you an overabundance. Remember I said you overflow with an abundance. He will give you an overabundance. You can have hope that God will recycle your tough situations. People are affected by the way that you handle your tough stuff. I can use the things I've gone through to help others. All the things that I've gone through on the mission field, being sick, all these different things, I can use those to help others. The third thing that I want us to put in our hope chest is God is our shepherd. God is our shepherd. He is in control and he's leading us if we let him. He will lead us and he will take care of us if we let him. If we put that in our our hope chest that he is a shepherd. Did you know that sheep, if that sheep gets on its back, it cannot turn back over by itself. It will eventually die. The heaviness of the wool and stuff will compress its chest. It will eventually die. There are many references of Jesus being our shepherd and us being a sheep. I had a missionary friend when I traveled to China. I met... Um, so a lot, of, a lot of young people there teaching English. I met a missionary girl. She was just an incredible missionary. She told me about an accident that she saw one time in another country. She got into an accident with another truck. And the truck had three men in the cab that hit her. So she got out to see what was going to happen. You know, you're in another country and all that. She was nervous. But she noticed that the sh- the guy that was driving got out and went straight to the back of the truck. And she was like, so she walked around back there. She said, literally, it was full of upside down sheep. When they hit, it had t- caused the sheep to turn on their backs. And they couldn't get up. So that guy knew he could not take care of the accident. He couldn't even come talk to her. He had to go straight back to that truck. He lovingly climbed in that truck and began to turn those sheep back over on his feet and she was talking to me in reference to Jesus when life hits us and she was talking to me because I was lonely in China by myself I had just met Jason the night before like three nights before we flew out was like one of our first dates we kissed for the first time so I didn't want to leave I had already already committed to this trip someone in our church had paid for the trip for me to be gone I didn't want to go as lonely so she was trying to encourage me with the story of Jesus will turn you back over right side up. You might be on your back and feel like you can't get up. I was on my back in China. I'm not going to lie. I didn't like the food. I wanted to go home. My older sister had a heart attack while I was there. I wanted to go home but Jesus turned me right side back up and he will do that for you because he is our shepherd. So anytime that you think about, you know, life's hit me hard. I'm on my back. I don't know what to do. Remember that God is your shepherd. He will turn you right side up right when you need it. Psalms 23, six says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, moving here was another time that uh, life turned me upside down. I mean, I'm not, yeah, most of you know, but I'm not going to lie. It turned me upside down for a long, for about a year. I was turned upside down, but you know, I had to rely on Jesus as my shepherd. He came back through. He turned me right side up, and now I love it here, and now my kids love it here. We just finally have our forever home here, and we're here to stay. But I had to rely on Jesus. I could not rely once again on my mom, on my church, on my bosses at home, my Mexico people. I couldn't rely on that. I had to rely on Jesus as my shepherd. He turned me back on my feet in Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy spirit. Do we spill joy and peace on others? Once again, I'm going to tell about my sisters. They, they spill joy and peace on people. My sister, Gail, she was from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. She lived there many years. They passed her a church there. She was one of the perfect Southern ladies. She spilled joy and hope on everybody. When my dad died, he didn't I shouldn't say he died suddenly because he, but he suddenly had a stroke while he was preaching on a Sunday night in the pulpit. He had a stroke. I was the only one that didn't live there. There were six of us. I was the only one that didn't live at home. I was in Pensacola, Florida. I was in church. I didn't know my phone was ringing. My phone was ringing, ringing, ringing during church. I didn't know it. Finally got where they had a stroke. Thank God I made it home, drove straight home. It was about four hours. I made it home before he went into a coma, but he went into a coma about three hours after I got home and never came back out. So that threw me for a loop. But, you know, the day that he passed away, my sister, she always chose her words carefully and her attitudes carefully. She always wanted to be a positive, perfect person. She wasn't perfect, and her family wasn't perfect, but she wanted to overflow God's love. She grabbed me the night that my dad died, and she knew I was distraught because I was 26 And I wanted to marry Jason. He hadn't asked me yet. He was supposed to ask me. The next Thursday, he died. He had a stroke on Sunday. Jason had a ring and was flying down on Thursday to ask my dad to marry me. So he didn't get to. But she grabbed me by my shoulders and she whispered in my ear, we don't stop trusting God. We don't stop trusting God. And you know what? It turned me right side up right then. We don't stop trusting God. He knows where you're at. Your hope is anchored in God and his faithfulness and love. Sometimes we can misplace that hope, but we got to find it because he anchors us. Psalms 119 says, I have put my hope in your word. The fourth promise this is the last one. The fourth promise that I want you to put in your hope chest is that we can believe God's word. He's our shepherd, and we can believe God's word. Sometimes people, you know, you grow up in church. I grew up in church all my life. You hear the scripture, hear the scripture, hear the scripture, but you can believe it. You don't just need to hear it, you can believe it. Some of our dis- discomforts can be relieved and pacified if we remember where to look. The comfort is there all the along. We just need to remember where to look, God. We got to, guys, we got to pull out God's word. I mean, I have, you all have it on your Bibles, your iPads, print it out. You've got to pull it out. You can't just rely on it. I talked about having words hidden in your heart, and I have a lot of scripture hidden in my heart. Jason can quote scriptures more than anybody I know, but You've got to get your word out. You can't rely on just what's in your heart. You have to read your Bible. You have to rely on that word. When something happens in your family, you can't just rely on the pastor, like I said before, or me or anybody else. you got to pull out that Bible yourself, read that Bible, and believe on God's word. Because we are victorious. God is with us. Uh, I talked about my sister Gail a lot, but this is the last thing I'm going to say about her. And this is where I'm going to end. My sister... Gail um, was diagnosed with breast cancer years and years ago. She was in remission for years and years and years. But when, how about, I don't know, we would know what year it was. It came back. And when it came back, it was all over stage four. They didn't give her a lot of hope. Of course, we as a family, we stood together. We, I mean, she lived many years longer than they thought she would live. One thing she wanted to live for was for Holland to be born because I was pregnant when she got really sick. And she said, I want to live until Leah's baby was born. She ended up living until Holland was almost two. But we were, we were a very close families. We were all close. And I'll never forget the day that she passed away. We were all in the room. It was the Sunday before Christmas. And we all wanted to be in the room. We were all in the room. Every time somebody, you know, our family, because we're a family of faith. We go in there. We were praying. I had both my kids in there. And people were like, oh, you don't want me to take your kids? I said, no, I want them to see what a family of faith does when somebody's sick. I want them to see. Holland was only two. Hudson was four. I want them to see that God is with us in the good times and the bad times. I want them to see us quote scripture. So we began. She, you know how it is when somebody's about to pass away. And she was unconscious. And she was laying her bed. And we were all around. We began to sing how great thou are. We began to sing amazing grace. Jason was there. We sang worship. We worship Jesus in that room with her. And you know how you just watch every few minutes when they take that last breath. Is that the last one? We were quoting scriptures. We were praying and I'll never forget. I don't even know who said it, but somebody in that room, when she took her last breath and we all gasped, when we began to sing amazing grace, we all gasped at one time, somebody in that room looked at her and said, honey, you're the victor. Cancer didn't win. You're the victor. And you know what? That stood out to me because our life is going to tell a story. No matter what, how we live or what we do, our life is going to be told. And people are going to tell about your life and the things that did. you're making deposits now into the lives of your children and the lives of the people around them. I want to be known as a victor because no matter what happens, no matter what, I am victorious. And my sister is victorious. Cancer I've been the thing that God used to take her, but she is victorious. She is the victor because she had a chest, a hope chest in her heart full of Jesus, and she overflowed Jesus. I will never forget that day, and I've hung on to that before because she is a victor. We are all victors through Jesus Christ. In this world, everything that we go through, we're victors. We had that question to answer after the funeral, and everybody was gone. That same question I started out with, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do? We're going to live victorious. We're going to live full of hope. We're going to live with confident expectation of Jesus showing up anytime that we need hit him. Thankfully, my hope didn't die when my sister died. My hope didn't die when I go through whatever, lose a job or whatever. I have a living hope. I can choose to stand on the circumstances of life or the promises of God. I'm going to choose the promises of God. So I'm going to encourage all of you today to fill your heart with the promises of God. Those four things, if you will fill your heart. With those four things, thankfully, the good shepherd always comes. He always turns us right side up, gets us back on our feet. Our hope is in Jesus, and our hope has a name. It's Jesus. We got it that right, right that one day when we were grieving, and we didn't know what to do with, um, with our hearts. We found victory because God makes everything turn out for good eventually. So fix your eyes on Jesus and have confident expectation. Jason.
0: <laughs> Amen.
1: And it was less than an
0: hour. Yeah. We're going to have our kids come up so we can do our part of our program. Is there any wonder why I married this woman? you I mean, any. Get a couple guys to come up and move a couple things so we can. Don't spill that cochlea, eggs. Yeah. Why they're coming, um, Leah, mentioned her, Leah mentioned her sister Gail. And one of the things that her sister Gail passed down to our family was something called a red plate day. And what she did is one of our first birthdays or anniversaries after we got married, we had a box and we both opened it together, and inside was a red plate. And what she told us is she said, there will be milestones in your life. There will be special occasions. There will be birthdays and things the kids passed a test that they were trying to pass and all these kind of things. She said, that's a red plate day. And so we would use that. We would, the kid, you know, the kids would have something exciting happen. We'd say, well, let's go get the red plate out and celebrate you. And uh, at her funeral, it dawned on us that when she took her last breath and stepped into eternity, she had a red plate day. Because she was the guest of honor in that moment. I'm telling you this for a reason. Because your mom may have passed on. You may not have your mother around anymore. But if you do, you make sure the mom has a red plate day today. Amen. You make sure that our moms are honored and, and loved on and taken care of. And that you do something special for her. Because how many understand that when we put that hope in our heart, that hope can and will flow into all of our relationships and our relationship with christ amen amen we're going to pray here in just a minute and uh aren't they beautiful aren't these kids awesome amen Be Mother's Day, moms. Get, get everybody to stand, especially our moms. We're going to pray. I just
1: want to tell you that when we started singing this little song, I just wanted them to sing this song because my mom sang it to me, I sang it to my kids, and I knew as soon as we started practicing, you don't know how many kids like, oh, my mommy sings that to me. Oh, my aunt used to sing that to me. My grandmother used to sing that to me. So they were very excited, and they do have a craft they're going to give to you at the end. They want to help pray over their moms.
0: Amen. Guys, stretch your hands out this way. Let's bless our moms. This blessing is going to come from the kids to the parents as your parents have blessed you all those years. And moms, we love you. Moms, we honor you in this house today. So Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, God, joining my faith with these of such pure heart and such precious attitudes towards them, towards you. And, Lord, towards our moms today. Father, we pray blessings over our mothers. Father, we pray today that they would be especially blessed. That the hope chest of their heart, if they came in empty today, God, we pray that you would fill it with hope. You would fill it with love. You would fill it with peace. You would fill it with all the good things of the kingdom of God. Because, Lord, you have offered us yourself by way of salvation, but by also way of encouragement and hope. So, God, I join my faith in unity with these young young men and women of God, these next generation, God, as we stretch our hands out to say, Lord, we pray blessings upon our mothers. We pray, God, that you would comfort, encourage, strengthen, and, God, you would do a mighty work in each one of them. God, today, if they came in depleted and empty... Father, I pray as pastor in this moment that you would fill him with with joy and hope that you would fill them, God, today, to overflowing. And that, Lord, you would watch over and protect each and every one of us, God. And, Lord, you would go before us and behind us and him and our moms, Father, with your mighty hand of help and protection, Father. God, we love you and praise you, and we thank you for this opportunity to come together in your house and to celebrate you, God, today. But we also celebrate our mamas. Thank you for mamas, Jesus. Thank you for the gift they are in our lives. Thank you for our spiritual mothers today, Lord those who by way of encouragement, and by way of loving on us, show us who you are. God, we love you. We praise you and we glorify you in Jesus mighty name and all God's people said, amen. amen. I do want to correct something before y'all go. And moms, we have a gift up here for you and we have a craft to give you. So if you have one of your kids, if you're a mother, we invite you to come up, grab one of these gifts and uh, happy mother's day. Amen. Okay. And there's a backdrop in the back right there in the corner on your right, my left. If you'd like to get some pictures with your kids, it's right there in the corner. You guys take advantage of that.